0: Poker's legendary champions, next-generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson.
1: Well, hello there, my friend. Welcome to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. And today's guest on CPG has over $20 million in lifetime online MTT caches and is genuinely one of my favorite human beings in the world of poker, John Ape Styles Van Fleet. It's been about a year since the last time the great ape was on CPG, and you shouldn't be surprised to learn that the man continues to thrive. His Twitch stream remains one of the most popular poker streams on the face of the planet. He's now an ACR-sponsored pro. He sold thousands and thousands of his Ape Styles bundle, and he's recently released a new Ape Styles bootcamp over on BBZ Poker. In my opinion, the world at large needs a billion or so more human beings like John. He's authentic, empathetic, quick-witted, quick to laugh, and genuinely cares about his fellow human beings. You probably don't want to see him sitting at your poker table, though. With that said, in today's round three conversation with John ape Styles, Van Fleet, you're going to learn what on earth the Pocket Snails project is and why it's near and dear to John's heart, the only platform where the ape is a net losing player with hopes to turn that around in 2022, how John deals with being live on stream during the amazing highs and gut-wrenching lows that come with being a poker player, and much, much more. So now, without any further ado, I bring to you one of the greatest online poker players of all time, John ApeStyles Van Fleet. John Van Fleet, Mr. Styles, How you doing, sir? Welcome back to the show.
2: Doing good.
1: Happy to be here. Yeah, I was checking to see because I was like, man, I feel like he was just like recently on. And I looked at the. I, know, I am, It was I a been, year.
2: Oh, it was a year? Cause I feel like I'm on a lot. So I was just like, does he just like, when he get when he's like, I can't find anybody, I'm just going <laughs> to.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's been a year, which is like quite incredible. It does not feel like it has been that long.
2: It doesn't. So I guess at the beginning of our last, uh, the last time we spoke, um, I was like just beginning streaming. You were. Yep. Right. And I was like crushing everything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, that was at the very beginning, and and now I'm on like a, a three, four month like just like downswing, where I'm running like more than three big blinds per hundred EV big blinds per hundred. Just like I like, just cannot win all ins right now. You know, it's just crazy.
1: Yeah. How much <laughs> in in ape styles dollars is the downswing of three months? Like three, four.
2: Oof. Yeah. yeah. Like pretty big, yeah. Um, but I played twenty five k's and tens, so it's like three or four hundred thousand is like not like um even close to unheard of. Like I'm totally within the realms of normal variance. Like mm-hmm. there's a there's a site um where you can check. I think it's um something dope. Um, prime dope. Yeah, yeah. And like there's yeah. you know where you can just put in your ROI, the, the average field size, and what you're used to. And you see, like, there's all these, like, really big ones and nice ones, but there are also these ones that are, like, fuck your life. Like,
3: <laughs> yes,
2: for, like, 5,000, 10,000 games, just, like, like it exists, right? Now, that being said, like, I, I don't really like blaming variants or blaming, like, um, the downswings on luck. So the downswings, like... I think are actually in some ways more beneficial than upswings in that they make you focus on what you could, what you're possibly doing wrong. They make you like, they motivate me to um, work on the things outside my game that I can control, like getting in shape and things like that. So in general, downswings are okay in that way, but fuck man, I want to win some money.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: you. Uh, we we can we can talk about all the benefits of the downswings when you're in the downswing, and that's just like, yeah, we're trying to like, okay, we're gonna make it through. We're gonna <laughs> things will turn around eventually. I know they will.
2: Well, the thing is, like, I I have sort of insulated myself from from worrying too much about money, like, it, on on that level, which is lucky for me. During, and I was like, damn, if I just started off running like this in the very beginning, I would have just like.
1: How um, many, how, how many like potential like poker crushers started their career off on one of these straight down off a cliff and were like, nope, fuck this game?
2: Tons. I'm, i because I did the opposite, right? Like, I didn't know anything and I heatered. So, and I was like, I'm the best, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. I won like the 11 rebuy and the 30 rebuy, uh, in like two days, and I was like, poker is easy, they're just like printing money online. Yeah, yeah.
1: they're just just printing. Um, I think in in the time that we spoke last, I don't know if it had recently happened or happened directly after, but I know you joined ACR as one of their their sponsored pros, right?
2: Yeah, so that's kind of the timeline, right? So like my history in, in online poker is I've been around for a long time, and I moved to go play on poker stars, party poker and such. And I ended up like crushing when I moved like one like two, three million and uh, playing the biggest games um, and playing against like very, very good players. And then I moved to ACR, which is a drop down in buy-ins and objectively easier fields. Like for sure, like there there are people who study fields and tell you to play on ACR, you know, and, and then just like, like, (laughs) So it's like frustrating because I'm like, hmm, like I've moved down and and I'm playing. But the thing is, there are other, like, there are other possibilities besides variants. Like perhaps, maybe I thought, hey, you know, I'm a big hot stakes crusher. Like I don't have to pay attention to these, the ACR too much. Or maybe I wasn't. These (laughs) plebs,
1: these peasants. (laughs) (laughs) It's gonna run right over them.
2: Yeah, I mean, maybe there's something, but 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 the thing is, I I'm I'm doing what I have to do during these time periods, which is just like I'm getting my database reviewed by 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 my peers who I respect, and I'm like I'm doing this publicly, so I think if I was really sucking, like I'd hear about it, but um, like yeah, I, I'm doing what I can do, but it's still yeah, I've been losing, man.
1: Yeah. Do you do you um have those times where you start just you know questioning everything?
2: I think it's not a downswing unless you're a little bit questioning your confidence. Like yeah, but I've done so much that 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 I, I don't I still have confidence because my win rates are pretty high. And I'm looking at everything, and it's really <laughs> in my <laughs> database, it looks like it's about the all-wins, right? Mm-hmm. But um, But there's still always that nagging voice that's like, but like, you know, what if you, what if the games pass you by? What if they just like, what if everyone knows what you're doing now? Because I, I sold this course, right. And we sold thousands of them. And now everyone's like doing my shit against me. So I'm like, Hmm, maybe they figured (laughs) me out, you know? Yeah. So definitely you're going to have those, those thoughts on the downswing. Um, but all I can do is focus on the things I can control. So like I'm trying to get in, in better shape because I've been sort of um, letting that go when I moved and everything. And just keep focusing on the process. And also um, making sure that my mental game is, is good. Like recently... And I, it, it has been good, but recently, at like, have you ever been like on a bad, bad run deep in tournament, and you just get that like crushing doom feeling where you're just like, I'm I'm gonna get it in good, and it's just gonna. No, like,
1: I I I don't play tournaments, so mostly oh, you've it's never like had that. No, because I, I don't <laughs> play tournaments, right? So, I mean, yeah. in, in cash games, it manifests as like you just no matter what you do, you you just get it all in good, and you're gonna lose, and you get it all in bad, and you're gonna lose, and you're just never gonna win. Um, Mm -hmm. that's sort of the the feeling of like just dread or existential angst before like any major decision. You're like, okay, I'm supposed to bluff catch here, um, and then you bluff catch and you lose, and you're like, okay, like over that was yesterday, and over and over and over.
2: That was yesterday. it Was like, oh, okay, I have the right combo. I just know I have to call this combo, and people never bluff. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on, you know, (laughs) right? Yeah, and then I looked it up, and it was like. Yep, you have to call this combo every time. It was like pure calls in all these spots, you know. And I was just like, Ugh! like, I mean, at first, that that actually usually um pacifies me in a way. Like, you know, sure. If um, if I'm like, you know, it, as long as I'm executing the strategy that I know is correct, like that usually is better than like if I punt for sure. <laughs> like, way better. Um although recently it's just been kind of neutral. <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> Yeah. um That entitlement sleeping in uh, or seeping in, where it's like, I work so hard and I deserve this. <laughs> like that kind of thing's coming up. Right. And I got to re- remember yo, first of all, like poker's giving you everything. So there's no entitlement there. And poker doesn't owe you anything. I mean, it's just, it's gambling. Like that, that's what you get into. But for sure, that kind of stuff comes up but it's useless, right? Well, I mean, you got to
1: deal with it. You know, it's just, it's just always a part of the process, the ups and the downs. And like, it's, it just is. So, so this is kind of a funny little story. Um, Recently, I've, I've been annoyed at, at something. Um, Like it's just been an an annoying situation. And and I started to feel like sorry for myself a little bit, right? I was like, oh my God, like, this is such bullshit. Why do I got to deal with this? Um, So I, I like went to the couch and was just feeling really bad, like just mm-hmm. down, uh, depressed. And I turned on HBO max and they had released a, a new documentary and it was called life of crime, 1984 to 2020. So 36 years of following these three humans around. Um, And so I just started watching it and in my, like, just, horrible mental state when i read the description of it i was like oh it's following drug addicts around for like 36 years um just press play and you're like
2: sweet yeah i'm gonna feel better about my that that was it that that was it
1: like i'm just gonna like (laughs) i'm gonna anchor myself in like an alternative reality of like holy shit like this is like some real struggle right here you know um Mm -hmm. and oh my god like it Worked like a charm. I realized that (laughs) it was that at the end of the, at the end of the documentary, I was like, holy shit, man, these people that like, they didn't have any chance. I mean, you know, they, they made really bad decisions at 19, started going to prison, got addicted to drugs. And then just, it was this vicious cycle where Mm -hmm. they couldn't get off drugs and they had no support. And and I mean, you know, at at the end, uh, I, Let's just say like when you watch it, you you can predict the outcome of everything that happens. And I mean, it shows their kids growing up in in this like terrible, um, terrible city in in New Jersey or terrible part of town. I mean, it's just like it's heartbreaking and gut wrenching. And and it really, you know, gave me some perspective of like, God, I got to deal with like, like, you know, somebody bought one of my products, you know, and I had to walk across the room to like put up a payment portal for $700. It's like, <laughs> like what are my problems in life here really? Right? They're, they're just so insignificant <laughs> compared to what they could be. So yeah, I, I as, as a confessional, I, I broke down. I watched a documentary that I thought would probably put my issues into perspective and they absolutely did. And, and I mean, whew, it was maybe the most powerful
2: documentary I've ever watched, honestly. Oh man, that, that sounds like the kind of documentary that I'd walk away feeling messed up. Though,
1: um, I did not but. feel in a good, a great place, just because of mm-hmm. how messed up it was. And mm. you just uh, sometimes I, I think people kind of slip through the cracks of society and don't sure. they, they? Don't get there's there's no hope, and that's just like yeah, it's it's pretty awful.
2: Well, what's sick is like 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 uh, when I when I quit drinking. And uh first started going to meetings and stuff, right? Like, you know, I, I met people like I don't want to um I met people within recovery that were like, you know, just had way different life stories than I did, you know, and and but I realized though that like I'm not that much different than those people, except I had support. I, I had people that 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 looked out for me, you know. And so like I could have been I couldn't have been born into that situation. I was lucky situation that I'm born into. We, I want to, I want to touch back on that, that doom feeling kind of though, when we're like deep in the tournament. Um, I was talking with it. Uh, I was talking with uh, Elliot Rowe about that. Oh no, I'm sorry. It was actually Frank that I was talking to about that. Um, and he was talking about like, why do you think you feel that? Like, what's, what is that? And it's like, no, that's, that's your body's, you've had a bunch of shitty experiences in a row and your, your subconscious, your body's like warning you of, of like danger. Right. And actually it's just, it's an old mechanism. It's useful in the past. Right. But really for what we're doing, it's not necessary. So uh, this idea that I can just be like, okay, I'm feeling kind of messed up right now. Like with this, this like impending doom, but I see what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you, subconscious, for letting me know that this is this is a dangerous situation for me. And and it just like realizing that everyone has something like that. And it's just a mechanism. It's not personal and it's not real.
1: Yeah. Know? It's like trauma manifesting like mm-hmm. in, in the moment. And I mean, yeah, like we're not, we're programmed to fear. Um, we're, we're programmed to fear like, you know, a tiger jumping out at us and eating our faces off. Uh, we don't really know how to deal with The variants of online poker yet maybe maybe in a thousand years we will have evolved to be able to handle online poker
2: it's all just numbers and like 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 in the end like the importance of it all is just important because i say it is i mean as long as i'm like i have the things that i need like group over my head food friends all that family like um the ups and downs they're as important as i make them you know
1: absolutely and uh segueing that segues quite nicely into you know a, a lot of times when I'm messaging you on Twitter, I'm not actually messaging you, uh, and and spoiler alert, um, when people message me on Twitter, they're not always messaging me either. <laughs> um, it's, they're messaging our assistants, and I saw that recently. You had the chance to meet
2: Barb in real life for the first time, and I, yeah,
1: I just wanted to to ask you, you know, how that went.
2: Barb is just like. The best in that she's, she just makes everyone feel better, but she's also just kind of cool and funny. So shout out to Barb. Love you. She's going to come out and visit. Um, She just, I wanted to give her presents. Cause she like, she sent me like a badass telescope for Christmas and like, but she doesn't, I don't know what to get her. And she's like, I'll tell you what, get me a trip. And I want to watch you play because she's really into poker. You know, she made the, um, she made the ladies event final table one time time. And she also won an uh, ACR tournament recently for like 10,000.
1: You need, Jeez. maybe you need to ask Barb how to beat ACR. That's the, that's where you go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yep. Pretty soon, pretty soon you're going to be hitting up Barb's Twitter and I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm Barb's assistant. <laughs> I'm like,
3: yep.
2: Future Barb's assistant here.
1: Uh, what's with the telescope? Uh, I assume we got some telescope and we're interested in astronomy.
2: I mean I am and I have I got a great view of my, my house as like a beautiful view of, of trees and Portland and stuff, but it's also lots of clouds. So a lot of times telescopes you can see the city from where I'm at though too. So
1: yeah. So you can you can see the clouds quite clearly now. Um so Barbs come in to sweat you. Gonna come on stream?
2: Uh yeah, I think so. She who knows if she's like like she may be shy. Like there's a little spot. I might set up a like a a co-host or like a co co-guest whatever spot there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Co-grinder. Co-grinder. Do you ever have like a co-guests that you you stream with while you're playing?
2: Um I don't know what a co guest is, man.
1: Uh, co host, co <laughs> <Yeah>. co streamer.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, I had I had I did a dual stream with Barry Easy the other day. That was really fun. Actually, people people love that. I did I did one with like Matt Staples. Not a dual stream, but I did I did some duels um a while back. And I have had people just kind of like sit here, but with, without them being mic'd up, that can be kind of weird. Um, just because like you know it's like when i'm streaming it's already hard enough bouncing between like focus and like and then entertaining and then like focus entertaining and talk to this person is like whew. that's that. so i may not do that too much
1: but yeah, yeah. you the three the three <clears throat> balls are too many balls
2: i cannot juggle
1: <laughs> um so you mentioned Earlier, you know, you mentioned your coaches and like working your way through this and studying hard. Um, you are one of the more prominent poker coaches in the MTT world, I believe. Um, so, mm-hmm. how does Mister John Van Fleet find coaches that he trusts and works with?
2: Well, um, like Jordan from BBZ, I actually met him the first time. Because I was downswinging in these eighteen-man sit and goes that were like it was actually a very similar situation in that they were lower stakes than I was used to beating, and but I I had beaten every stakes like stake on stars and I was like I haven't beaten the eighteen mans and and the biggest winner in them was Jordan at the time he was, he just crushed the eighteen mans, and so <clears throat> he was doing stuff that I just didn't understand he was like min raise folding off the of ten big blinds and just so aggro, mm-hmm. and I hit him up and he he showed me a few things, and I like the way that he he thought about poker. I've always believed in coaching, and uh, so it, it's kind of funny that, like fifteen years later, we're working together now. and so I, I will go over my database with with guys like Jordan. I've got a study group of guys that I can't really mention, but like a bunch of other crushers also um like uh <laughs> enough to be friends with yeah, I'm not gonna say drop, it. But, yeah. I, But like the people who I'm lucky enough to have peers who are very good, who I can bounce things um, off of. And it's it's not like it used to be where you like during my my downstream in 2008. It was the same kind of thing where I I would send my hands to everyone and everyone was like, no, you're thinking about the the game pretty well. It sounds like it's even better now because I can look at solvers. I can look I can do I can as long as my approach is okay, And that that's what I like but I can't imagine that it's not, you know, because <laughs> it's, it's, it tries to be objective. Can and anybody
1: imagine their approach is not okay though?
2: Well, the thing about my, my approach, I think is that I'll, I'll have a course that I've designed and some, someone else will have a course and we'll be teaching the same things and using different words because we have essentially the same method in a, like of, of looking at the game, which is solver, Driven, equity-driven, like math-driven. Um, and there's more to the game than that, though. Actually, I think there's actually quite a bit more. And, and people don't really give it as much love as they should. Like, people are trying to play like the bots. And it's like, no, no, no. You're playing against a human. But, yes. But I think in general, you can't teach, like, the, you know, reading... Weakness and strength and game flow, but you can teach the 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 math and solver uh, approach. You know, and, and the more
1: well, it's more tangible uh,
2: for sure. It's yeah. less abstract, Mm-hmm. but there is more to the game. Like there, there, there. Are, you disagree?
1: No, no, I agree. Com- I agree <laughs> completely. I, I don't disagree at all. I think that like there are available data points that guide us, and then there are also. Um, so, I went on this long. Uh, <clears throat> This this daily, uh, somebody posted in the village, my my Slack community about chicken sexers, and this took me down this weird rabbit hole. Uh, so chicken in, sexers, chicken sexers, yes, in Japan. So there, somebody has this job where basically chicks that are a day old, they need to know what sex the chicks are, right? Um, so they have people that will separate the males and the females, right? But the deal is that they teach through intuition. The person who's sexing the chickens do not, do not know why they know a certain chick is a male or female, but they do know and they are right. And they, so they teach through experience. And over time, the people that they teach just watch them doing it. Their brain picks up on something like subconsciously and they're able to do it as well without articulating why, which that led me down this like really really long rabbit hole of just like what intuition is and the power of the subconscious mind and and really like trying Mm -hmm. to relate it back to poker in that, in that way, because sometimes we do have those, uh, moments in poker where you just, you have a feeling that you cannot articulate and that feeling drives your decision. Um, and, and you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't, but.
2: You could even kind of try to object, like make it objective too. If, you, if you're talking about game flow, you're talking about just a binary pattern of left to value. Um, but I think that there's it. It may even be bigger than like this whole idea of like the feel guys versus like the math nerds. I mean, I think that that's actually sort of a false dichotomy. But I, I think that it's best to be as informed as you can be math wise but also being very aware of the fact that you're against a human being that has biases, um, is doing multiple things at once and is like without trying to telling you what they have quite often, right?
1: Yes, I I do agree that there are, you know, I trust that there are in-game reads. There's intuition plays a part in decision-making and depending on who you ask, it can be, um, a larger role or a smaller role. But I would say that ultimately, you know, we train, we train as poker players to, in a sense, be reflective or yeah, reflexive um, with our decision-making. Where like, we're faced with a scenario by reflex. We know what to do, or we have a good idea what to do. And that's based on all of our study, all of our learning that leads us to that moment in time. I mean, otherwise, how would you be able to play 20 tournaments at the same time without trusting that sort of meta cognitive ability to parse information and then make a decision. Um, So I think from that sense, like field players, like I don't even know if that's like, I don't know what what that means anymore these days because a field player to me can just be like a well-studied human that knows what to do in a situation um, by reflex through studying in the same way that like, you know, uh, I always use the, the analogy of like an NFL quarterback, right? Like they roll out to the right, they chunk a ball 50 yards into a window of like three feet. They're not consciously thinking about doing any of that. It's through like repetition, um, yeah. and practice. Right.
2: Exactly. And, and so like, I remember, uh, I think it was one who, who posted, he said, uh, something about me and Ben CB, both teaching gto courses and then playing but playing street poker and i was like thank you um i think i might have talked about that before because it's it's the same thing right in that um i think the optimal state when i'm playing is sort of calm but also like experimenting thinking about all the factors in play and um yeah, just being willing to try stuff, and occasionally, like, like something just doesn't make sense, or it feels like this is the moment they're gonna try. Or sometimes I even hear, like, uh, when I'm playing live with somebody, like you can hear like wrong ways people think about the game, you know. And, and so I try to like, <laughs> so you can kind of um, use that too, sometimes to to make call downs where you might not. Or to make big folds, where where you not, where people just don't have bluffs. Like there are a lot of spots like those where it's just like okay, like I, I just don't see how you can be bluffing here. You know? Yeah. I, you just should. Mm-hmm. Well, go ahead.
1: I, I mean, yeah, it's like some sometimes people just don't have bluffs. Sometimes they don't have folds, um, and sometimes they mm-hmm. don't have value. Right? Like it, it works. All, <laughs> all all three of them kind of work work together. And like uh, the the thing that I love most about poker, and I've always loved the most, is that it's a puzzle with a variable that you're playing against a human being and what you said there about listening to what they're saying right i mean this is what like world class professional poker players have always done is get in their opponent's head and understand what their opponents are doing better Mm -hmm. than they themselves understand what they're doing. Because when you do that, you see the flaws, like you see the flaws in their strategic maps. And that allows you to, to take advantage of those flaws, which is, you know, what street poker, exploitative poker, you know, is kind of about it's saying like, yes, I'm willing to take this risk that makes me exploitable, but I'm banking on the fact that I know what they're doing better than they do. And, and so they won't be able to capitalize on that risk I'm taking.
2: Yeah. Like, like in Vegas recently, like, you know how at first you always, at least, at least for me, I get like excited to play I'm like, Ooh, live poker. And then like <laughs> two weeks later, I'm like, this
1: fuck live poker. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. but like <laughs> um, At first it was a little bit tilting hearing people talk just like, like so wrong about poker. And they were always like using like emotional terms to describe what they were doing. And, and like it tilted me because it was just like, like they were doing it to me too. They were like, oh yeah, I could see that you were, blah, blah. and I was
3: like,
2: mm. <laughs> you know, anyway, but instead of, instead of being like, oh, you know, like annoyed by it, I think it's better to view that as part of the puzzle. Like what's the best strategy versus someone that thinks in this way? Like what are some counter strategies? Like what does this mean that they're going to be overdoing and underdoing? you know and like really approaching it from uh from a like how to best exploit in fact that's probably that's that's a more interesting puzzle than you know just trying to figure out what the solver would do or whatever so
1: yeah I, and and more profitable i think over over yeah. the long run too against especially that <clears throat> specific player profile
2: yeah i mean i think like I'm going to start making up, like, like I'm going to start, like, really agreeing with, like, like the, the more wrong it is, the more I'm like, yeah, like, like I'm just going to like totally agree with it and go with it in the future. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we both know, like, as people that have coached, just, you know, spent thousands and thousands of hours coaching people. We both know how difficult it is to communicate information to another person in a way mm-hmm. that allows him to execute it in real time. That like, honestly, people get upset about like, oh, you're just teaching people how to play poker better, or, blah, blah, blah. Like why? And it's like, dude, you've, you've probably never tried to teach anybody how to play poker because it is exceptionally difficult to communicate um, concepts in a way that another human... Can actually use them while they're playing poker to upgrade their game, and it's exceptionally rare that anybody says anything at a live poker table uh, that upgrades everybody's game around them.
2: Oh no, 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 no! Like, I mean, okay. Like, well, I just sat down at the table. Like, one of the first times I sat down this time of day is and like a guy kind of whispers to me. Oh, a guy raises from the cutoff. They do three bets. Um, Cut off 4 bet shoves like 40 bigs with Ace-King. Button calls with Jax, I think. It was Ace-King offsuit. And I shit you know, the guy to my right was like, ooh, he's like, that's a drawing. <laughs> you know, he started to that. I was like, probe, really? <laughs> he was like, just call. And I was like, what do you do there? Like, like how do you, what's like, how, what's the exploit there? Because <laughs> I'm just like... It was like such a normal spot. I was like, wow, probably that I can make this person fold like in big (laughs) pots. Yes.
1: (laughs) Um, And and when they start putting a significant portion of their stack in quite deep, uh, it's probably bad news um, for bluff catching.
2: Although sometimes really tight players have this, this is, I swear this is phenomenon. It happens more versus me than anybody else. No, no,
1: I know exactly what you're going to say. And I I've, found the same thing.
2: What do you call it? Cuz the way it,
1: just going off like a rocket. I don't know exactly how to describe it.
2: Like honestly, like like this is probably slightly offensive but nit spaz. It, like <laughs> like <laughs> that's,
1: that's more precise language actually. That's
2: <laughs> cuz it, it it just like I don't I don't know. It's like they'll play like 15% of hands and then just run this like ridiculous bluff and you're like what? I think it's because they're just like, I've been so tight, it's my turn to win a hand, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna make it happen.
1: What's interesting, like in cash games, what's so crazy about it is like I can feel it coming. Like I, I it's like I have a sixth <laughs> sense. Like I know this person I don't know why they're about to to just go off like a rocket, but they do, and they have like the weirdest hand to do it with, which I think that like it's probably just some sort of intuitive intuitive read based on like how they've previously played their good hands or their posture their body language or their Mm -hmm. energy or some other data point that you're internalizing that's like yo this person i don't know why what's possessing them to just go crazy right here but they're about to go crazy
2: yeah i mean it's not like like when you when you look at an amazing painting that you know is just like Incredible. You can't really analyze it by any sort of objective means or anything like that. And I, I think that um, <laughs> it's
1: faz is this beautiful thing.
2: <laughs> I feel bad because I, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. It just it just like um, what's an
1: interesting phenomenon.
2: Yeah. Um and it <laughs> it's like very true. <laughs> I guess. or maybe not with, with all super tight players, but it seems to happen like like I'm like it just it, 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 a lot of the times it happens when you're like i mean i'm supposed to call this hand i have to call this hand and but you're so tight but i'm just going to call anyway and you're like what <laughs> 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 yeah.
1: um i've looked at a lot of data and i can say definitively i have yet to find any spots that are like that have no air composition um like I found a lot of underbluff spots, but like somehow, some way, in every single scenario that I've looked at, there is some portion of air in that range.
2: I, that word never, that word never. You better like never say never in this in 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 this case because I remember I got tilted because a guy bet one third on the river and he was like he folded just a very clear call, and I was like, dude, it's <laughs> part of your range. Like like I'm like, listen. You know he's he's betting one third pot. He's risking one for three. That only needs to win one in four. So we need to defend like seventy five percent here, right? Um, and <clears throat> you know he's like, but he's just never bluffing. And I was like, and in in that hand, of course, he was he wasn't, or I, I don't know, he folded, but we wouldn't know. But like, I was like, hey, let's go into your database and and see if that statement is true we're just going to filter for for less than third pot bets and see how often it's true they were bluffing like 40 something percent of the time it was like super high yes (laughs) like people bluff small all the time it's it's not don't you can't say never (laughs) it's not
1: exactly an original thought to say well i'm going to choose a sizing that looks like i never bluff when i'm bluffing
2: (laughs) right like that's it's not that hard to do (laughs)
1: it's not that not that difficult of a thing to to do
2: also it's actually kind of cool like i i've if you see min bets on the river like that's that's i brought that shit into the game i'm sorry guys but like part of it is, is it's like in the bet check bet line and when it goes back, call calling the big blind check check out of position to just like arise at the river with an equity advantage but mainly from like low pairs and stuff so one of their dominant bet sizes is going to be a min bet and uh, it works quite well for value you get calls a lot um, and people don't do what they should the toughest thing to do against it is to raise pretty aggressively. Right. Yes. But uh, I started bluffing with that in bet. it felt so wrong, like betting one into 10 as a bluff, but it it's hard to defend that. Too. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, it's really hard to defend that. Cause you, like there are some parts of your parts of your range that you're just going to feel stupid doing something other than holding with. Right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I you went guys, off Yeah, yeah. There, yeah. <laughs> I
1: don't. I don't know where you went. Um, you got blood drawn out of you today, and so, you know, how, how did that go? By the way, Are we okay?
2: Um, is that something? I weird? think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm like, whoa, man, I'm dizzy. Yeah,
1: you're dizzy. Need some food. Um, yeah.
2: I mean, I uh, sometimes I do get going when it when it starts when when it comes to talking about poker, for sure. <laughs>
0: survived pre-flop boot camp. you've shot the fish in a barrel, now prepare yourself for the feeding frenzy, a comprehensive strategy for gutting every fish in your player pool, data-driven hero bluffs, light call-downs, and perfect value bets that are maximally designed to hurt some feelings feeding frenzy available now at chasing poker slash feeding frenzy
1: all right so we're back from an impromptu um poker excited break discussion
2: type thing basically we decided that when we're talking about the river donk uh, we're not referring to like we're talking about check call, check call. Well, actually, <laughs> you were talking about like a crazy spot, yeah. But cash, yeah,
1: you know, w- cash games it, it was like a super deep spot with like the seventh bet going in the pot. Um, which uh, I don't know how often that happens in MTTs unless it's like the first level,
2: yeah. You started talking, I was like, wrong dude, all in preflop. um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. uh, actually that's a, that's that's actually a focus of mine going forward is 100 big blind play um and 200 big blind play it's just like like when sims first came out i was like i'm a tournament player i'm just gonna run all the 50 40 30 20s 15 10 um just to to see the nuances and there are nuances between those stack sizes but um i still can like kind of suck sometimes deep stacked um especially because like 50 bigs, there are some hands that you start betting big and getting in with that you actually don't. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so there are different thresholds for getting it in. And I I make mistakes for big ones for sure.
1: Absolutely. It's a different, it's a different game. You give me 20 big blinds and I am like, I feel desperate and (laughs) like, holy shit, I got to like get this money in ASAP um, or I'm going to whittle away to nothing. Like I feel just like in total desperation mode and completely uncomfortable.
2: I'm like, this is my office. We're just, we're just hanging on by a thread. It's, it's, it's that's tournament life.
1: Yeah, I don't like the thread. I get me up to hundred big blinds where I feel safe and comfy.
2: Um,
3: <clears throat> you know, right.
2: I, like I'm, I respect that, and I think probably for a professional, it's probably the, the better way to go. I think you have to be a certain kind of crazy to do MTTs for a living because, like I've, I've, I've said before. I've been, I've been doing this for like 17 years and all of my years except for a couple have been six figure ones, including the losing ones, you know, and it, it's not, <laughs> it's not that fun. Uh, the downswings.
1: Well, from the cash side, the upswings are nice though. Right. And the, I've never had the feeling of like a giant NTT score. Um, but I've heard that they're quite nice, but like, I remember probably a five-year stretch where I, I think I had like three losing months, and one of them was like break-even playing cash. You know, just um, it's just like nice and steady. This fucking guy. <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> um, yeah, like MTTs. You're on any given day, you are a like a dog to win money. Like you're a 70, 30, even if you're like a 20 ROI player, you're only like 50% to win over a thousand MTTs depending on the field size, if it's a thousand person fields. Um, so it, it, they're, 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 you're embracing the variance with MTTs, but if you don't enjoy having a big stack with two tables left in a tournament with a bunch of money up top, I don't know what you're in poker for, you know? (laughs) So I, I, I just, I've always found uh, the dynamic nature of NTTs to be really interesting. And it's, it's what I popped in when I was a fish and it attracted, it attracted me. I was like, I can turn this into that, you know? (laughs) And the sitting there with just your cash didn't, didn't appeal to me as much when I was a fish and, you know, arguably still in, but uh.
1: <laughs> funny uh, on you being a fish topic here and the variants of MTTs. Uh, I- I've recently been buying action from somebody who's playing in some of the larger buy-in or, you know, like the 200s or the 500s on ACR that's trying to like, um, you know, basically sell off and minimize their risk. Um, and one of the things that they they showed me uh, I've known them for a while. I, I can't imagine them not being a favorite in the tournaments that they're they're battling in. So like every week was like, "Uh, here you go. Here here's some money. Um, and it's gone. <laughs> like it's every week. Like no no return, no return, no return." And he's like, he's like, "Well, I'm struggling." He's like, "But I take solace in this." And he sent me a post of his ACR graph, um, with your ACR graph above it. He's like, "The above is that's Ape Styles," and they looked identical. <laughs> It was. It, I was like,
3: okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, the silence is <laughs>
1: silence is deafening here,
2: bro. Like, I've got like like above a six big blind per hundred win rate, which is win rate in like, and that that holds up below sixty big blinds deep. So it's like, but like the EV big blind per hundred is looking is looking nice, but the big blind per hundred is not
1: man it's um, variance. it's like 500 tournaments or we just talked about thousand, it right but
2: like, like yeah it's totally within the realms of like normal variants you know but like i feel this pressure now and i think that's what's been killing me man i've been on downswings before and I'm, I'm like like i don't know the downswings like i said they're just they're you can you can use them as tools to get better if i had just gone like this the whole my whole life like i think i would be obnoxious and i wouldn't have learned a lot of valuable lessons but man in front of people i feel well, like i at, I'm least, at least you down. got to
1: learn your lessons you know
2: <laughs> <laughs> And like like uh, <laughs> see the thing is like everyone can like like say that like all that kind of shit is corny but like the truth is if you look back on your life right like the the the, the so called like good scores or like the best days are not the days that motivated to become the person that you are right no they're not um but like i uh this new thing of doing it in front of people um has added a new element to it where i feel this like weird disconnection with like um i'm like supposed to be this ape styles guy who's supposed to be constantly crushing and and like sees through cards or something. And at least that's, that's what I tell myself. I don't know. And when I don't live up to whatever, like that image is, or when I feel like I'm just like, not like, I'm, you know, people, people buy my action and and watch me. And and then I like, don't win. That adds a new layer, man. (laughs) like adds a new layer of like feeling like that you let people down That that. That kind of sucks
1: but do you ever feel like do you ever feel like you have to respond or react to things differently when somebody's watching you on stream than you might otherwise would if nobody were watching you
2: yeah i'm nicer i'm like way nicer like if i'm by myself like um and like like i suck out so i'm like motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) suck on that (laughs) you know i mean just because i mean for me that's kind of fun to be like that you know but like it's 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 not like um and i'm also gonna be a bit more vocal about being upset um
1: that's the one that's the one that has always made me feel differently it's a weird thing that I it's even hard to put into words that Without left to my own devices, I can deal with most things. But as soon as like somebody watches me and things like unravel, you know, you get stacked three or four times. It's almost like there's an expectation of a negative response that you feel like you need to fulfill just because this human's watching you.
2: I feel that a little bit, but for me, um, what I do is like, okay, like if I'm on my own. And like some some stupid shit happens, and like something big, like I'll definitely like swear more, like out loud, and and if I'm in front of people, um, I will do that. But I'll just be like, I'll be more like, "Fuck!" Like this feels really bad. <laughs> you know, like I'll just be like talking about how I feel more than being like you know like because if, yeah. if if i the thing is you talk about how you feel instead of feeling how you feel yeah um which kind of helps actually but um it helps get me back to where i i need to be um actually i find that it's more positive than when i'm like when i get into like grumpy rage mode or something you know um for what it's worth even when i'm by myself that that doesn't last it's like a minute and then i'm like okay get back but like, I'm just, just a little bit less polite. Um, and part of that is because uh, it very, very much intentionally, I don't, I don't even think it's fake. It's like, man, there's a lot of negative energy out there, and it's just not what I wanna put out. I don't wanna put out um, <clears throat> that, that like random angry energy. Like, cause, you know, in that moment when that, when like, you know, uh, Joe Blow 86 fucking sucks out on you. Like, I, I hate you, Joe. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs>
1: like, curse the year you were born. Yeah, exactly.
2: Blay. And it's like, that's a screen name. Like that, that <laughs> you know nothing about that person, you know? And like, I definitely have felt that way before, though. I mean, I try like I, in the past, I'm like, oh, I really want bad things to happen to him. Now I try, I'm like, I want, I wish a bad rash on you. <laughs> 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 I hope you get stuck in traffic. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I don't want to share that like random angry energy because it's, it's bullshit anyway. Right. It's not, it's not good to have to, to release that and put that out there. Um, but like, sometimes I feel like I do push it down a bit and at the end of sessions that I, I, it's like, yeah, um, I got to find a way to get it out, like working out or something
1: yeah is that is that your go-to method
2: for releasing that um (laughs) it just
1: sounds good on the podcast
2: well like like listening to music for me like and like like working out is the ideal but like there's there's like like to say that like yeah the thing that i do after a bad session is workout is like like, i wish i was like that kind of human (laughs) i eat
1: a full ice cream cake by myself Exactly, and adopt we're, four kittens.
2: We're double calling Pizza Hut and freaking Dairy Queen or, or something, you know. Uh, nah, although I, you knew I, I got a kitten last time. Right? No, I, I
1: didn't know that at all.
2: <laughs> it's, it's like after my big run, um, where I got ninth place and I got like nine, like um, 90k, it was a million for first, it was on stream, like 5,000 people were watching, it was crazy um i i just i actually didn't get a kitten in response like uh, there was a kitten that needed adoption that I, I agreed agreed to get and i had to keep pushing it back actually um because i kept day threeing and day fouring and uh then i finally got this kitten and i was it was i was so exhausted after 4 days of of streaming and i got my my kitten uh luna slash kitty cowcat and she just fell asleep on me the first night and i don't know man like i'm not even like a this is a little bit embarrassing, but I, I, I got teary eyed. Like, I don't know. I fell in love with her. So I'm like, um, obsessed with my cat. Like she's crazy, but, uh, like it was just like, right after all that emotion and then like getting this baby kitten, I, I feel like I got that imprinting, you know, when you get a kid or something. So like, I swear, like, if you come for my cat, like I would, I would do, I would hurt a human for sure
1: <laughs> as it should
2: yeah. be. Yeah.
1: Luna, Luna makes stream appearances?
2: Oh, hell yeah. She, she's got an emote and everything. We got Taco nice. now, too.
1: Yeah, Yo, so you have another kitten as well.
2: Oh, Taco's the dog. Oh, Taco's, oh. Taco's like a big, like, Taco's like a cat dog, and Luna is a dog, like, she's, like, <laughs> dog Taco cat. is, exactly, like, she's, she's like, super, like, wants to play, and is like, like, and Taco's, like, just wants to, like, sit in your lap. And doesn't want to go outside or anything, so it, it, it's funny.
1: Yeah, and you're um, a you're a human ape, so it, it all makes sense. Yeah,
2: it's it's like it's like what's it called, Doctor Doolittle over here, um, <laughs> Animal Farm. <laughs> yeah, um, but you, uh, you know, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say that actually, like that's what that's what keeps me saying during that. For sort of sure, is just like hanging out, like in my house with my animals, the partner, and just like doing my thing.
1: Yeah. Like living life away from poker. And I mean, it, I think it's really, it's an easy trap to fall into when your identity becomes poker and you feel worthless when you're downswinging and you feel like, you know, a God sent from on high when you're just crushing everything in the world. And so, you know, compartmentalizing and just isolating yourself away from poker, I, I think is overall pretty healthy.
2: I think so too. And um, again, like, I was watching this video and this guy's actually a little bit obnoxious. I forgot his name, Simon something, but, but like he was uh, talking about these two different mindsets. There's like this one finite mindset, which is that like, we're in the game to win. Like we got to win or lose, you know? And then there's the, the, the infinite uh, mindset, which is I'm in the game to, to play. I'm in the game to keep playing the game and to keep getting better. And I've been in that infinite mindset for a long long time. I've been just playing to get better, playing because I love to play. And the downswing, yeah, I I actually did. Like, can you edit some of my crying because I I know (laughs) I bitched a little bit. But in reality, like, I'm still just playing the infinite game, having fun, getting better. And there's like so much still to learn. So it just, you know, it's not that hard to stay in.
1: Well, yeah, and the. The rewards make the suffering worth it, ultimately, right? The moment of triumph feels lesser if you didn't suffer
2: to get there. So, true. However, I would say <laughs> that most of the time when I win lots, I'm like, this doesn't feel as bad as it, I mean, as good as it felt shitty to lose. <laughs> like, I'm like, where are the balloons? You know, like, <laughs> where's the, where's like? I'm just sitting here eight hours in in my computer, you know, but like. Then, it's relief,
1: man. It's relief when that graph that's going is so... straight down, goes goes back. You're like,
2: oh, thank God. It's relief. That is exactly what it what it is. Um, and I think it's kind of fun that I get to do this publicly too. Like it's just like, you know what? Even if you're trying your hardest, like occasionally in empty in tournament poker, it's tournament poker.
3: Yeah, but you don't, you don't I am lack. gonna
2: show everybody how you can climb out too. Um, because there's money to be made. <laughs>
1: I don't, <laughs> that that sentence started somewhere, and we I, I, we are. um, I, I had what plans, I mean is,
2: like like at like that site, um, America's Card Room. Like I taken it personally that, <laughs> that, that that like like I'm up on every single online site except for America's Card Room, the site that I'm a pro on, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that makes me so mad, you know. And I, I called a shot last year that I could make 200k on ACR, and actually like. no and so i'm not like but i believe in myself enough like i'm gonna call it again i think i can make 200k from this point this year no problem
1: no no problem we'll we'll check in easy poker's
2: easy you'll see poker's easy next year
1: yes (laughs) john um so i actually so i had a template of things to talk about um and then Yeah, we. I think this always happens when you come on the show. If I remember correctly, we we go we go down some some tangents, you know.
2: Let's go. Let's stick to the template. Let's go to the template.
1: Let's go back. Let's go back a little bit. Okay, so (laughs) I I wanted to ask you about coaching because you are one of the more well-respected, well-renowned poker coaches uh, in MTTs. Um, So I wanted to ask you how you go about systematically upgrading your coaching ability specifically because this is something that's kind of near and dear to my heart being a coach myself
2: well for me there's like a little bit there's two different kinds of coaching there's there's like um the kind of coaching that i have like where i'm just trying to meet them where they're at like i'm trying to figure out the wrong way that they're thinking about the game and then a lot of times it's just convincing people to believe in in like that in my method sometimes. Right. Like, um, so you're converting them to the church of GTO.
1: A A
3: Yeah. Um, (laughs)
2: Yes. But, uh, and then there's, um, like the, the high stakes guys who come to me because I'm always on top of like, like the most, like the newer solves and the, and the newest, um, like, approaches to things and that's like where just always having people running stuff for me and then like always having an eye on what's new um has has just like been important for me it's funny because like i don't give it i don't give a damn about like newest iphone whatever but like i just need like whatever's new as far as the the, the programs go i just always have them and
1: why do you feel that that compulsion to figure out what's new and to be sort of bleeding
2: edge well i I just figure that like no one really knows the full answer yet to, to poker it's not solved like chess so whoever has the best models is going to be the one who wins and so i just work to have the best models
3: yeah
1: it's interesting like i don't know if you've had these thoughts of like you know i spend most of my waking energy um Mapping out poker strategies, analyzing data. And sometimes I'll have this like realization that like, wow, like I'm spending my full life force in like figuring out this silly ass card game. Um kind of feels feels kind of strange sometimes.
2: Um I think I had those thoughts like more like 10 years ago. And I'm like, all right, so this is like what we're doing. We're just putting everything into this. But like at this point, because I have sort of an encyclopedia of work yeah, within. Poker, um like I kind of view myself like, yeah, this is just <laughs> my my life's work. Like, this is my profession. It is I your study. life work, right? And yeah, <laughs> mine moves. too. It, like,
1: <laughs> it, it just is my life's work.
2: Mm-hmm. And and I'm actually like pretty okay with it. And especially now that I've heard like through the stream that that people have benefited from my courses and from working with me that's actually like kind of keeps me like keeps me in a good mood too i was thinking about that the other day this is uh man when i was like sometimes when you're running down like on when you're running bad it's really easy to like look at even your friends when they're on like when they win big and kind of have mixed emotions (laughs) kind of
1: hey you're jealous let's yeah
2: for sure, you have like have that jealousy, and I noticed it even when I was in Vegas. Like like a couple of my friends were in deeper, and I was like, I don't want to go watch live poker. Like, <laughs> come on, man. Um, and I was like, dude, you got to stop. Like, I, I've got to change this 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 kind of small, petty mindset, you know. And I realized that like everyone's like almost all my friends have gone or the people I was hanging out with have read read my books you know bought the bundle like bought my products so like when they win based on like my knowledge i'm winning you know what i'm saying so i need to just like every time a student of mine anytime someone like that that's a good friend of mine wins celebrate with them and then i'm always fucking winning <laughs> then i was like hell yeah that's a much better way to look at it right?
1: absolutely <clears throat> and i mean when you're running deep you want those guys there cheering you on too right
2: like 100 percent. also um I just I guess like I I had kind of like a withered perspective about live poker because like you know all the 12th and twentieths and stuff and I'm just like Ugh, live poker so slow and so I sometimes get like that. I know for a fact that if I had like the first like like a couple of big ones, I'd be like, you know, I'm kind of a live guy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh no, like like <clears throat> I definitely had those feelings a little bit of like jealousy, not even jealousy, just kind of like over it feelings. And I really, and, and then when I saw them, I was like, no, nah, I don't want to, I don't want to feel that way. I think it's, I, I'd rather um, be, in a winning mindset where I just, you know, stoked for others. Yeah. It's a better way to be.
1: It is. It's a better way. It's a way to be a better friend as well. You know? Oh yeah. Um, And like you said, you, you get to win more often when you're cheering them on and, and you know, you've, influence their poker trajectory as well
2: you don't know how much i hear it, it, it it's actually like like i don't know um not my, my, not throughout my life i don't know i haven't always known what i value right like um I, at one point i had a bunch of money but i was only focused on money and i i wasn't in a good mind state at all when i was like okay so money isn't necessarily happiness and I, i've experienced this And I'm like, what's the goal? What's the the end goal? And I'm like, well, in the end, like, I don't care about, like, how much money I've made or, like, whatever. I care about how many lives I've influenced positively and, like, those around me. And if I'm I'm achieving that, then I'm killing it, right? Because who cares about the other stuff?
1: Right. What's a good story about realizing the influence you have on people's lives? I'm sure you have some personal stories.
2: Um, I mean, the other night, somebody said, "Because I was, I was going through something. Like I was, I was like going through it on stream, and I was like, and then I kind of talked myself out of it." And
3: somebody said that I, uh, um, I,
2: whatever the way that I spoke convinced them to not kill themselves, not end their own life. Which was like, whew. to be honest, like, <laughs> that, that that actually hit me like real hard because I thought about a lot of my friends that I wish that I'd, I'd had that. But I mean, that was huge. But like I, all the time, people come to me and tell me um, how i benefited them, and, and and man, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, don't want to talk about it because it, it, it um, I don't want to cheapen it because it, it's not even so much me helping them. I just feel like connected, you know what I'm saying, that I can, that I can do that. And that, that, uh, <clears throat> yeah, there are just, I think I might've told this story already. Like, um, before I started streaming, I was nervous about it and I was hanging out with my friend Jess and she said, um, she was going through like a tough clients place like she worked at and she was just. Reacting to it all with love, like no matter what, she was just always bringing love to the situation, always bringing positive regard. That it always worked. I was like, the way she, the way that she said it with conviction, like it it moved me. And I was like, I'm gonna bring that to the stream. And if I do that, if I'm always just putting out good energy like that, if I can, like, there's, there's, like, hopefully that'll that'll be what comes back too. And like, I think the universe needs more of that. So, um yeah, I've been, it, it has worked out that way. And, um, yeah, I, I hopefully can just keep doing what I'm doing.
3: Yeah.
1: How's it feel to make that kind of impact in somebody? Because I mean, that's like quite a major, major impact. Um, and I know you're, you're a humble guy. And so, you know, like you said, cheapening it or, you know, fully taking the credit or, or whatever it is, you know the reality is, like at least from that person's perspective, you did have a major impact
2: in that. Feel bad because the stream ended like right after that, like it shut down because of some some technical issues. Well, actually, that is why it shut down. Like, but I was kind of glad that it did because I got in my feelings about it. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> like, man! Every,
1: everybody wants to see the ape getting in his feelings <laughs> on stream.
2: Um, I I didn't shut down because of that, but like, uh, there like a bunch of shit happened and then it it made sense to to shut off the stream yeah um but like i i want to reach out to that person because like like i'm I'm not sure if they heard my response because i like it was it was big to me um and because i've been in tough spots in my life like lots and lots of tough spots where um i've never really actually like had a plan for 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 killing myself. But like I've definitely been like, not living would make life easier right now, you know? Like I've definitely been in tough spots like that and, and been in spots where I I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I just want people to know, you know, that like, especially when you're young, like nothing that you've done, like when you're 20 is really gonna, I mean, for the most part, is gonna fuck up the rest of your life. You know, like I was like straight screwing up my life until I was 20.
3: I don't know. It bums me out though that
2: that some people like his life can be good.
3: Yeah. And I, I think
1: that through each stage of our lives, at least in my experience, you know, the human being that I was at twenty is not represented It's not represented by the human being that I am now at thirty eight um or when I was twenty five to thirty five like it's just an ever evolving and changing and you really don't know what your life will look like in five or ten years or what kind of human you'll be
2: yeah, I mean I'd like to think that like twenty year old me would think I was cool, but I think twenty year old me would probably think I was a little bit sappy like this dude (laughs) this dude's kind of (laughs) corny
1: yeah but what do you what do you think about 20 year old you um
2: oh man like get a fucking job kid (laughs) yeah fair enough exactly
1: there you go um what, what do you think is your uh your poker superpower
2: i think for the most part not not getting too ruffled and um and sometimes when I'm just sitting there, like some, some nights when I'm very, very zoned in, I do feel like I can just see through cards. Um, so see through cards.
1: See through cards. Tell me That's about that feeling, seeing through cards. What do you think is like happening
2: there? It's just like I'm in the flow of things and my mind is very quickly like picking up the exact necessary information. And, and prioritizing correctly, and um, my hand reading skills. Like, I I just feel like when I'm really focused on the two cards that this villain has, right, and their timing and um, everything, that occasionally I just feel like completely locked in. Not all the time, but I, I do believe that my A game is like pretty nice. Um, also, I think the difference between my a game and like my C and D game is getting much shorter, although there's still there's still some distance.
1: And this is something that's like improved over time.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, also, just like <clears throat> just not letting myself play when I'm not like, fully focused. I mean, like, like occasionally that has to happen where I'm like, I have, I have to do some things on my computer and handle some you know, messages, but I'm not playing well when I do that. Right. I just think that you, you have to play poker like very present, ideally taking notes, watching the flow of the game and um, playing methodically. And uh, ideally with, without too much emotion influencing you. I think.
1: Yeah. It's interesting too. Like uh, I think, Maybe eventually we'll be able to scientifically break these things down, but just being able to trust that inner sense, you know, I think that, that trust of, you know, our, our ability to just cognitively prioritize the right data points and then act on that trust in the moment, regardless of kind of what happens is such a vital skill to a poker player. Because when you stop trusting that little voice inside your head, um, you just, in my experience, my play always goes downhill. Like when I, whenever I'm like locked in, in the zone, I'm folding hands that just feel like they are folds. Um, and, and it feels right. And I'm trusting my, you know, that it's like a meta, meta cognitive ability to analyze information. My chicken sexer, right? My inner chicken sexer is what I'm, I'm trusting that like, I'm seeing things clearly and I'm, I'm acting on them with confidence. Like when that happens, I'm in my zone, and that's like the highest level that I play at.
2: Mm-hmm. It sounds like we ex- we experience fairly sim- similar flow states. Um, and I think that if you talk to anybody who's uh, who's good at what they do, um, they experience something so- so- somewhat similar. I uh, like I think I've I've talked about this before how I I I, I used like a meditation band and. Muse, well, was is that playing... the one? Yeah, yeah. And I do NeuroPeak now, actually, which is like it's different. Um, I I watch like videos, and w- we decided that I need certain, uh, like I think, less beta or something. We're training my brainwaves based on this this profile we did, and I watch videos on YouTube. And if I have the right brainwaves, it gets brighter. If it's the r- wrong, uh, if it's like the wrong brainwaves, it gets darker and it just kind of like subconsciously trains your brain to have the right brain waves. Uh it's crazy.
1: That sounds crazy and I have not investigated that.
2: Uh yeah, I'm I'm Neuropeak. I'm going to be doing some work with them in the future. Also, they do a heart rate variability where you put this strap on and uh it measures like you do belly breathing for like 10 minutes and it measures how well your heart is beating in response to your uh breathing.
1: Yeah breathwork that was something i wanted to ask you about too have you invested um into any sort of breathwork app
2: or training i mean literally yes (laughs) like too much um like i I work with someone i I meet with someone at neuropeak like uh weekly i'm kind of a slacker though (laughs) like you know what i'm doing something that i i kind of hate when people do to me like people who hire a coach who don't want to actually do work they they want you to like somehow like osmosis your knowledge mm-hmm. into them, and like I'm kind of doing the same with them because like my shitty brain is like, oh, you want me to meditate, but like put things on like you want barriers to meditation basically so so like i I have to admit that i I don't hit it as much as I'd like i I go to like instead of every day I do like three a week yeah, but but overall, I really like it because. It's objective, and even though I was doing three a week, like I'm, I'm actually like increasing this brain, uh, my my beta frequencies or something. I don't remember exactly what we're doing.
1: Yeah, you're too, you're too alpha.
2: You too fucking alpha, bro.
1: <laughs> Need more beta.
2: Yeah, when I walk in the room, everyone knows I'm there. I stare everybody down. <laughs> they know who's the boss. <laughs> i
1: don't know see if things wouldn't have if you wouldn't have gone down the poker route you had a career as a professional wrestler like
2: locked up um, I, I mean i was being ironic but <laughs> yeah i don't
3: know
1: man. Thanks. Um, <laughs> breath so like i've gotten into breathwork um like in the last six months or so and i have an app on my phone it's literally called breathwork without the o and it's just like It's, it's crazy how impactful it is as a daily exercise to like gain energy, to calm down, to go to sleep at night, to wake up in the morning. Um, The impact that oxygenating your body has is massive. Um, And so like for anybody in the audience, um, I would certainly check out some sort of breath work. It's like really actually quite quick and painless and way easier than like meditation. Um, just like a couple minutes, you do a guided breathing exercise, and then you're done.
2: Yeah, my my goal this year is to get into some Wim Hof stuff as well. There's all these things on on the docket. Um, And then um, start
1: slow, man. You know, get you then, thirty seconds, one minute.
2: I mean, like I I I I do have a pretty regular meditation practice. Like I I used to do it a lot, right? Like I've been to like two ten day silent retreats and stuff. Like I've 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 how was it that? Was,
1: because I've always wanted to, to do one.
2: Crazy. Um, the first time was, was really hard. Um, like cause you get, you can't bring books. I was going to sneak in snacks and you can't really eat anything after noon. But then my, my friend that I was going with was like, dude, you're going to do their thing. You got to do it the way they say it. And I was like, put snacks, though, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I didn't bring them in. And, uh, There were a couple things that were pretty crazy. Like, um, yeah. The first thing, like, you know, can't talk to anyone except for the teacher. Um, and you just meditate all day and you're doing these breath meditations. And for me, like on day three, um, I just felt so bad. Like I felt just like so sad and lonely and just like, I had no story for it. It was just like all this off like really negative energy. I, and like I went to the teacher, and i I was like, I don't know if I can do this. like I'm like crying and like i and I'm not used to this at all, <laughs> anything like this. I thought they drugged me, even <laughs> though I'm just drinking nothing but water and eating veggies, like because I'd never felt anything like this, and the the teacher was like in my opinion, you're doing great. <laughs> and I was like, what? And the teacher was like, well, when you do this breath meditation, you have these things that you push down, these um, uh, sankaras, what do you call them? And when you do this breath meditation, it's like a drill and a they, they, they chisel, and they, they rise to the surface. But once they're there, they're gone. And if you keep doing it, it's kind of like uh, coal on water, like uh, water on coal, where at first all that steam comes up, all that smoke comes up. And then after a while, there's, there's none there's no more. And I mean, at that point in time, I was like, cool. But this, this is crazy. This hurts like stop. Like, um, but I made it like the cars were roped off. So I, uh, and I made it through that night. And then the next day it kind of, I still felt weird, but like felt a little bit better. It kind of helped me because I was like, at least I wasn't, I'm not feeling like that, you know? Um, and there were a lot of crazy experiences like that. Um, by the very end i probably could have gone another 10 days um and i would say it was it was valuable at the end though they say to like to to meditate for two hours a day like i've yet to meet somebody that actually keeps that up though. Afterwards. well yeah um, because
1: the people that do are meditating when you try to talk to them they don't have they don't have any time to
3: give back to
2: yeah, two hours a day is like But they sell it. They they push it pretty hard. They say if you do two hours a day of meditation, you'll have more energy. You won't need to sleep. Probably true.
1: I don't know. So sleep is so integral to my mental health and my health in general that like it is always my priority. I think I I always get skeptical when somebody's like, "Don't sleep. You only need five hours of sleep or six hours of sleep." Like yo, you never seen me on six hours of sleep. You know I am useless and i feel like trash and i hate everything um so
2: oh, maybe maybe i'm just you sacrificing just gave me such a nice opportunity to burn you but i did
1: nah come on I, man I, I, I we need it was too it was actually like I,
2: kind of like too basic to go in like like i used to grab more of those low-hanging fruit kind of jokes but yeah. now it's like you know
1: i think dude. like an hour ago i i called you obnoxious or i implied that you were obnoxious i don't think you you caught the, the burn but now, now nauseous. obnoxious <laughs> oh, i can't remember i can't remember the i can't remember what you said um or the way that you phrased it but oh you ah god it's it's out of my brain now it was, it was like just Damn. a silly just a, a, a silly <laughs> we
2: got some zingers here Woo
1: <laughs> Uh, and you pay me back by withholding your zinger and making me feel bad about releasing mine, not having the self-discipline. That's how you do it, man. That's the ultimate zinger is no zinger at all.
2: <sighs> Outplayed. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Actually, I like, I like talking shit like with my friends and stuff like, like I'm like, but never like, like to actually try to bring somebody down. No, it's, of
1: course like, not. Like, you. Fun. Yeah. You pick on, you pick on the people that you enjoy spending time with. And that, that to me is just like part of my life experience. Yeah, exactly.
2: Um, although like, I, I I might've used to taking it too far. You gotta, you gotta watch, you know, Well, but yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess since I'm, since I, since I didn't, um, choose to make that joke, it means that I, actually don't like you (laughs)
1: Yeah, (laughs) and we come full circle.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, that was a joke. But, uh, yeah, I've enjoyed this conversation and speaking of full circle, I do think that we are like coming pretty soon, but what's the template though? What else is on the template?
1: I don't even know. We're going to talk about like systematically, um, improving your coaching ability and, you know, your communication, um, Yeah, that you were 100k away from like 20 million lifetime winnings. I saw on, I believe it was Pocket
2: Fives or Hinden Mob or somewhere. Well, tell me. Actually, how about you tell me? Because I'm I'm interested. How do you systematically improve your coaching and communication?
1: I think about coaching all the time. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's. (laughs) Do you have? It It looks like you're just you're writing some jotting some notes down. Mm -hmm. Um. Well, I I learn about learning. I learn how people learn effectively and Mm -hmm. try to upgrade my teaching process to help people learn better. I, for my coaching sessions at the end, I have my students always summarize, uh, our coaching session together through like after watching the replay. And then we go through that summary at the beginning of the next one, just so the concepts that we talk about i can we can double check that they're being integrated and understood correctly because a mm-hmm. lot of times a lot of times either i'll misspeak or they'll mishear or misunderstand and i think it's always good to go back and double check that you know the takeaways are actually what i was intending
2: yeah so like when i coach somebody what i what i do is i get their background and then i i try to think about like what their current coaching background is like how that how i'm going to fit in there and then i uh, through a session i kind of figure out where the target areas are going to be usually with like a, a leak finder and we come up with goals and homework and then i make them summarize usually at the end of the session
1: well if you're not going you s- to do
2: homework you're not i'm not down to work with you because like it's it's a it's a mutual thing as far as like improving I'm i'm not going to just like tell you something and you'll be able to execute it right away always right absolutely and so um i like that idea i don't always check in on the homework though because i'm not i need to be more organized on that and i don't always um start the next session reviewing but i I try to because i I keep records of everything but
1: yeah i you said something important though, is coaching people from the paradigm that they're on is what's most important. And I think like as poker players, it's a thing we get quite good at is getting in people's heads and understanding how they think about poker. And really that's the spot that you have to be in when coaching people. And yeah, it's, just, it's funny. Like I have, so I extracted myself from private coaching at the beginning of this year, um, but While I was doing it, like everybody had to click through this page here that I'm, I'm showing you. The podcast listener won't be able to see it, but um, yeah, it was a lot of the things that you spoke about. Like if you're not willing to do your homework, if you're not willing to, um, if you're looking for instantaneous results, if you want me to hold your hand, then find somebody else because that's not uh, really, really how I go about business or what my expectations are of, of my students. I like
2: that. Starting off sassy.
1: <laughs> hey, we're setting expectations, right? So that, so that we can have a relationship that's mutually beneficial and that we're both happy
2: with. I actually no, I'm, I'm with that. In fact, I think I, you send that to me because I actually think I might do like, <laughs> I'll take out the last one because I, I am pretty heavy with the solver work. I also like to gamify things though. Um,
1: gamifying is fun. Gamifying is good.
2: Like that's that's kind of, um, I think that's that's how I try to keep things interesting. Um, Also, just like when I use solvers, I'm not like, uh, okay, you played like this. Let's check the solver. I'm just like, I'm I'm like, okay. So these are my these are like this is my evaluation of the hand based on these evaluations. These are my predictions. These are why this might change. Based on how this this player is playing, like like here are the exploits. Now, based on based on these predictions, let's look at the solver um, and try to get the solver to answer our questions. Um, that's, in my opinion, a more effective way than just kind of like immediately going to the solver to check. Right.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: You won't um, remember anything.
1: You don't. That's another thing too that I'm learning about is uh, how to stifle um, the forgetting process, right? Because ultimately like that's something that that's the, that's the thing that you want to ward against is forgetting information that, that you communicate to other people. And so it's not always just about like making sure they remember it, but it's about, um, making sure they forget less or coaching them in a way so that they forget less of the information or the valuable
2: takeaways. You just gave me an idea.
1: There you go. You can, uh, I'm going
2: to get Barb to start sending them little like reminders of concepts and stuff.
1: I'll bill you for uh, it.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, just uh, the best, the best to way you. to do it. I'll the give best, my email.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The email, the best way to go about it is I'll send you a book that I'm reading that I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's all about metacognition and that whole process and like sending like a quiz uh, of something that somebody learns directly after you teach it to them is one of the very best ways that they retain that information because, um, it, because it it strengthens the retrieval of process of the information, which is a vital part of the process.
2: That's the thing. Yeah, I, I think, um, yeah. It, it, when I first started coaching, I thought it was like all about superior information and just like letting them know everything that I knew that they didn't know <laughs> like that 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 just like i mean that was i mean not a terrible premise because it was just like i'm trying to give you the value i'm just giving you all this sure. information but like i just found that i was just like talking over people's heads all the time and then that's when i started realizing one or two topics go in on them like make sure they're understood and then like repeat like bringing up with them the following weeks so that there's consistency there yeah, we're on the same page.
1: <clears throat> good. That's good to hear. Um, and so from there, I don't know how long we've been talking. We were, we, we got started a little late, but it's always great having you on here, man. Um, the final, final thing before we shut down shop is, um, you working on any projects right now that are near and dear to your heart?
2: Yeah, actually I am. I'm, I'm one of those fucking NFT guys. Now I'm, a uh, i got a pocket snail who isn't who isn't yeah we we the the story is actually pretty cool i'm gonna i'm gonna i'll end with it we we took over there was this other project solana snails that minted and then the developers rugged with like a hundred thousand dollars and all these poker players had them i didn't have them because i didn't what is
1: rugged for for the podcast listener that may not be familiar
2: basically they they just ran off with the money they stole the money after they made promises to the community to do things like for these snails like shell swapping and stuff and so everyone the value of them just dropped
1: yeah they pulled the rug and out from everybody
2: right exactly to like 0.15 solana solana right now is like 110 back then it was 200 or it's, it's, it's 120 actually now um and <clears throat> anyway so everyone was like sky is falling whatever and then they got the idea of brian the developer and ben and uh me to airdrop new snails drawn by our artist, Damien, little alien on on the stream, into people's wallets. And since we've done that, uh, we put these new snails in people's wallets for free and we turn it into a poker project, Pocket Snails, right? And uh, since we did it, they're now trading at like five and six Solana. The biggest, the highest sale ever is like 24 Solana. And we're just like, I've made my my, my seminars go in for free. I've done like... uh, I've brought in a bunch of high stakes crushers and we're just doing hand history reviews. And, uh, even like a partnership with state Kings, we're just trying to build and build and build and turn it into a poker project. So Last thing you- I'm going to shill on it is that the first three months that like all royalties go back to community through these things like snail races that are pretty fun.
1: What the heck is a snail race besides like just the like- ne- never ending story?
2: <laughs> it's just like 10 snails lined up. Like, it's, it's the snails that they're actual, you know, the ones that people have and they, they, whoever wins, there's also like a crow that comes down and, and snags one of them. On the, <laughs> 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 it's fun. It's fun. Um, but yeah, so far like this whole project of printing something from like 0.16 and 0.15 was what the, most of them are selling for at one point to, to something that's now selling for 5.5, six Solana, uh, as a floor pretty nice win i would say um and the idea of growing this project has been has been fun also bundle part two is coming out soon
1: bundle part two the mm-hmm. eight the second eight bundle of bbz yeah um i think pocket snails followed me on twitter and i i couldn't really figure out what the heck it was um right. you should get
2: yourself a snail
1: i i need a snail um you do. So just to correct me if I'm wrong. So basically, when you have this snail, you get access to poker training because you have
2: the NFT. Exactly. So when this NFT first came out, I was like, what is this? Just like a picture? Like, how is this valuable? And then when they said it was a poker project, I was like, okay, like I can do that. Um, and so I've just been like, how can I make this project valuable to poker players? And that's, that's what I've been tasked to do. So I've just been bringing my friends in, from different fields in, um, and it's basically training content. But I like what I see. Eventually, is that it, it's more like um, a, a hub of of great like poker and NFT Alpha. Um, I, I could see the Discord like being almost like a convention in a sense at some point, where there are just like lots of diff- like lots of um, presentations going on all the time from, from big names. Who knows? I, I have ideas. These are just like, um, right now what we have is, yeah. Like you said, training content. Um, <clears throat> I also have visions of, of like just growing. Like it's easy. We have all these streamers on board too.
1: Yeah. That's cool, man. That That's mm-hmm. really ex- exciting. And we need these pro- projects to
2: get excited about. Yeah. It's just basically like a poker project that's anchored with the NFT Um, And and I'm involved in it. Man, like, I'm not really an NFT guy. Yeah, they're they're, they're funny. (laughs) I'm not really an NFT guy, though. I spent like a few days talking to NFT people and I wanted to kill myself. Like, everyone was just (laughs) trying to sell me smoke. I was like, stop. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I'm advising on uh, an NFT project that is being... uh, They're partnering with the World Poker Tour and it's like this avatar thing where... There are actually like tangible benefits for having the NFT, which, to me, is like quite important. That like, yeah, if you're gonna spend money for something, then like you, there needs to be some sort of tangible benefit other than owning this like weird little JPEG. In in my opinion,
2: yeah, that's what we're doing exactly. Is is that we're we we made it. We have this partnership with State Kings now, where if you buy action on State Kings, you get a a, a better percent, and if you sell action, you get a better percent. And we're just looking to keep doing stuff like that, right? Um, and, and keep expanding, keep building, and adding value, which is cool, though. So people are getting already eight seminars a month from me just for like, and they get this asset that they can sell at a later point. So that's pretty good. Kinda, yeah, it's pretty chill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And good. we're gonna make it bigger and bigger. Um, so. Yeah, I hate I hate selling shit though. And I feel like that's but the thing is, um Why do you hate selling? I hate the idea of selling. I hate the idea of me trying to give you something that you don't need. Um
1: Ah.
2: push something on you that you don't need.
1: Right. right? What if they need it though, but they don't know they need it?
2: That's the thing, is like like I just bought one of these at 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 floor price because I was like, like, (laughs) I think it's still a good buy, right? So like, um, I would say that what made me start selling my, my products well, like they started selling very well, first of all, is that they were good value. But sec- like, secondly, once I started realizing I'm not selling people anything, I'm just telling people what I use and how I think about things. <laughs> so once I just started talking about what I do, um, things sold themselves when I'm like, hey, you need to get this. <laughs> I just feel like that, that's not me. Right? Yeah.
1: So. It's, it's one of the major problems I've had in growing my business, my brand, selling courses is like the selling aspect of things. And um, yeah, I just basically the way that I frame it is like, if people are in my audience and they want to learn more about poker, uh, mm-hmm. they, they have a pain. And so like if they have that pain where they want to improve and I have the ability to help them, Not doing so um, is kind of like you go to the doctor and sit in the waiting room and like they never call you back, right? You never get something to help remedy a a struggle that you have. So, sort of aligning Mm -hmm. what I'm selling with what I believe to be obvious pain points that I can remedy, um, Mm -hmm. which is basically just a long winded way of saying, like, not, I don't like, I don't want to be manipulative. Uh, I would just want to offer things that solve problems that people are experiencing and in that way provide value
2: exactly and, and that's that's the other thing is is I think I couldn't figure out why I was getting so much demand as a coach for a long time, and it was because like I went over unless I felt like I, I just needed to give you value and to like and it's very important to me. it wasn't about the dollar, it's about me providing a good service and caring about what i do. yeah, you so care. I think yeah, and so I think that, that those things are what what matter and they're also what keep you in the game for a long time <laughs> because if, if you're just if you're just driven by money poker is not going to be a good game for you <laughs> yeah. but if you're driven by the process if you're driven by getting better um and you're competing against yourself that's what keeps you in the game i think
1: yeah and people buy passion people can sense mm-hmm. it it's not a thing that you can really fake or not that i, I can't fake it anyway um exactly people- it, it,
2: I didn't realize I even was that passionate. I just liked, I just liked what I did, right? But like, when when I started getting that, people were like, I started realizing that that's actually like I'm not smarter or anything like like, like it. But I just really like the the puzzle of poker, and I really like teaching and connecting with people. Yeah, so I can see that you do too.
1: I do very much, very much. Um, final thing is if the somebody listening right now wants to go hang out with you on the world wide web, where do you send them?
2: Pocket Snails Discord or uh age styles on Twitter, Abe Styles Poker, YouTube, BBZ Poker, BBZ Discord. I'm not that hard to find.
3: Yeah. Not
1: <laughs> not that difficult to find. And um watch him struggle throughout the rest of this course of this year to wipe out his ACR, ACR
2: I'm gonna there ain't gonna be no struggle. I'm just gonna be like take care man all right good talking to you you too
0: thanks for listening to chasing poker greatness you can subscribe on apple podcasts or on your favorite podcast app go to chasingpokergreatness.com to get the newsletter join the greatness village community book a coaching session or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.